Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star sports podcast. On this episode, our sixth annual AFC Championship game discussion. Well, that's how many consecutive years the Chiefs have appeared in the AFC title game. So on today's show, beat writer Jesse Newell and columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell look ahead to Sunday's game at the Baltimore Ravens, and we look back at the divisional round victory over the Buffalo Bills. Can the Chiefs get back to the Super Bowl? We break it all down on Sportsbeat KC. Let's get started. Who had been to Niagara Falls before this weekend? Just, I, just I had you? been, yeah. Um, and but not in winter. No, no. I, I would. I'm glad we made that trip. That that was pretty cool, Niagara Falls. And uh, I had some people in the newsroom tell me that you know they had been to, who were from upstate New York, and said that uh, they were happy that we got to see their their part of the world a little bit. So anyway, that was that was fun. We had a great time. Uh, visiting the Falls, and then we covered a Chiefs game that night. Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills. Didn't even do. Didn't even need to do it in overtime. And now they're playing the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Let's take a moment and and talk a little bit about what it means to be in a six straight AFC Championship game. Oh, oh, you want to do Bills first? Bills, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll do Bills first. Beep, 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 beep. We're backing up, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Bills. Um, By beating the Bills, the Chiefs are headed to their sixth straight AFC championship game, (laughs) as I may have said. (laughs) This is the way we're going, okay? (laughs) Interesting game, heck of a game. Some, you know, in the moment when we're writing stories and, and, you know, filing stories on Sunday night, I just don't think I thought about the Chiefs only had five first, you know, third downs in that game. Yeah. They're one for five on third downs. One was preceded by the two kneel downs. Right, right. That's a crazy stat. And the only the only punt was, you know, what thirty seven minutes into the game. For the yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get around to fully looking it up, but I wondered because it's not just the five third downs; it's one conversion. Yeah, if one team has ever won a playoff game with one <laughs> third down conversion. They scored twenty seven points with one conversion. And get the ball to the one another time. Yeah, yeah, great point. And the other, another unusual number I heard out of this game was Josh Allen was sixteen for sixteen on passes that were certain length, right? Because uh, he, it, it was such a vertical game, passing game for the Bills. He, it was the highest completion percentage based on you know most number of passes. Um, uh, in that uh, range in, in playoff history. Didn't do him a lot of good in the end. Uh, so what was the and what were the number of plays? It was almost double, wasn't it? Um, Bills offensive plays. Forty-seven to seventy-eight, I think. Yeah, 
And Chiefs with eight plays of 20-plus yards, Bills zero plays of 20-plus yards. What? How, how did that happen? What? What? Why did that happen? I mean, we talk all season about the Chiefs' offense just not being itself, and then all of a sudden they still have Mahomes. They have, as Sam has mentioned, a little bit healthier Travis Kelsey um, after he sat out Week 18, and I think they schemed the heck out of it. You know, part of the reason for that was the run game. Uh, Brett Tabo and I are going to break it down this week in the details video. But Chiefs had a really good pin and pull run scheme, which they hadn't done. And I talked to Creed Humphrey in the locker room afterwards. They said that they saw that their the Bills' nose tackle played a certain way, and they figured their angles for blocking would be really good if they could get him on the perimeter. And so we saw Creed Humphrey, his best game of the year, where he was getting out of the perimeter, opening up run lanes, and showing his athleticism to get out there and really clear things out for Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards Alaire. And then the pass game, I mean, we can talk through some of the schematic things the Chiefs did. Again, Kelsey looked better. Uh, they had some good things going there, but we saw the best of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes was just unbelievable. And Sam kind of hinted that this might be coming. We've seen him as an underdog in these games before, and he's really produced. And he really wanted this one. And you heard him in the locker room, you know, with the Chiefs video that was out there that, like, the Bills wanted this and they got it. You know what I mean? And these are the sorts of games that really motivate him. Now, our narrative might be different if that final drive is different too, because if Josh Allen scores a touchdown with four seconds left, all of a sudden we're talking about the things the offense couldn't quite do to come away with the victory. So you have to give some credit to the defense as well. It seemed like Josh Allen missed a couple opportunities on that last drive, but this defense has been really good in the second half to be able to make adjustments and come through in the end. And for a game, again, if you would have imagined this game three or four years ago, the Bills driving down there, potentially being able to score a touchdown with no time left, they would have done it. And this year's defense for the Chiefs did not allow that to happen. I just, oh, just looked at, just sorry to cut in, but just looked it up. It's the only set generally goes back to about 2001 um, as far as third down conversion numbers. And only one other team has ever won a playoff game since that time, in that era, with just one third down conversion. It was the. Uh, Broncos beating the Panthers in the Super Bowl. They went one for 14. Yeah, one third was... down that game. Obviously had a ton of help from their defense scoring points. Time game. The yeah. Vaughn Miller game. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say was, I, I know there's more to it than this, but don't you love the idea that Patrick's like offended that the Bills wanted a home game? <laughs> How dare they want to play at home? They asked for this. <laughs> yeah, they did. They really wanted to play at home. I think it was the left tackle, right? It was Deion Dawkins who spoke up and said, you know, good luck to him. Good yeah. luck to the Chiefs to come so in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Highmark Stadium, he said good luck. Well, and to be honest, guys, we were there. That was a crazy atmosphere. It was a really good atmosphere. Great atmosphere. Uh, it was, it was tough for the Chiefs to communicate. And I guess I got to keep mentioning Sam here, uh, but the communication issues that they had earlier in the season were gone. I mean, they did things well in a very difficult environment when they couldn't hear each other, couldn't communicate well. They got out of the huddle. They eliminated those mistakes, and it made a huge difference in this particular game when it, it the atmosphere did play a huge part. It's just the Chiefs did not allow it to, to have them cost it. Allow that to have it cost them the victory. Blair said this in uh, – I'll just go real quick, Sam. Blair said this in real time, but I think we were all cognizant of it too, that as far as I can remember, even on the road, that's the first time uh, in 11 years for me covering the Chiefs that I didn't hear – any audible uh, home of the Chiefs at the end of the national anthem. Typically, we hear that often thunderously, Every, even everywhere, on the road. Everywhere. Everywhere. And there was nothing. And Sam had 
been looking out in the crowd and saw not much indication of the uh, costume of choice for a Chiefs fan. So that just to reiterate your point, I mean, it was that was a Bills environment. It is notable how well Chiefs fans travel, and it was notable how few Chiefs fans were at that game. So this was the truest road game I've been at covering the Chiefs, and it was. Uh, again, the Bills fans were ready for that team to come into the stadium. Yeah, just another example of that. We we all go to the away games, often fly the same flights, but we flew different flights this time, at least I did. And hearing your stories and comparing them to mine, there weren't Chiefs fans on the planes. Mm-hmm. No. I, there were more Bills fans on my flight to Buffalo from where I connected Detroit than there were Chiefs fans who started in Kansas City and rode along with, with me. But more Bills fans got on in Detroit. Uh, or more, yeah, to Detroit and went on to Buffalo. So I was surprised by that. We, we literally saw it was only two of them, two two Chiefs fans on basically each flight. And typically, I mean, the, the same two people. And <laughs> typically they wouldn't stand out because there'd be so many. Um, so, Did yeah. You go to, go to Vegas or L.A. Um, for, for AFC West games, Denver. Planes are packed with Chiefs fans. And, and the stands usually are, yeah. you know, almost half full of Chiefs fans. So it, it's... That was that was pretty remarkable, and I I do you know Patrick made this point after the game. I, you know, we can technically refer to the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay as you know a, a neutral site, but I I do believe Patrick has experienced you know the the the, the road playoff uh, aura before. Of course, that one didn't work out so well. Correct, uh, but he certainly has uh, played many road games in the regular season and. Going into this is just regular season record, uh, thirty-eight and eleven as a starter in road games, thirty-six and eleven as a starter in home games. That's pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable stuff. Um, let's uh, until the Chiefs took the late lead and, and then had the the Tyler Bass field goal go awry at the end. I I thought there would be two themes to basically the Chiefs losing the game. One would be. The defense didn't hold up uh, in a way that it had during the re- much of the regular season, and then the McCole Hardman fumble through the end zone. I enjoyed our drive back from the stadium to the hotel at about two in the two or three in the morning, whatever it was, getting into the conversation about the merits of the fumbling through the end zone rule. <laughs> we believe old school and new school dis- disagreed on, on this. <laughs> I can safely say that old school is just bewildered by the call in general. Like that, that, that that's how it's uh, administered. Uh, new school, Sam, believes that it's actually. I think you kind I just of always look at these decisions as like, what's the best alternative? And there's no great alternative. I don't think the offense should be rewarded for having a fumble be non-recoverable. I don't think the offense. The offense is the, the team that made the mistake on the play. They're the team that should therefore be punished for that mistake, and the defense should get the ball. But why, if 99 yards of the field, I get the ball back if I fumble it out of bounds? Do I not get it at the most valuable spot on the field? Because there's, there's. Why are you not punished elsewhere? Because you are. Like you do have the defense has more of a chance to recover it when the ball's in the middle of the field. There is no back of the end zone at the 50 yard line. And the ball goes out of the back of the end zone all the time. And or the side of the end zone. Or the side. But I just don't think they want to distinguish between the two. Um, so, therefore, they they group them together. And I still think the best solution is to get the ball. Playing defense in the NFL is really, really difficult. And 
I don't think we should be finding more ways to reward an offensive mistake. I think Steve Spagnuolo will agree with you when we ask him about that this week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I stand by my solution. Ball fumbled out of bounds in the end zone. Put the ball at the t- keep the offense keeps, but put it at the twenty and, and loss of down. Uh, the, the down counts, so you go to the next place. I certainly would say that's a punishment. Yes, you, you've lost. In this case, you would have lost nineteen yards. I'm it's, scared it's, of Jesse it's not, being. It's not guaranteed to be a punishment though, because if that's third down, you, you get punished zero. You're just you're, you're kicking a. You get punished further, nineteen yards, but just a field goal distance is harder. It, you're basically making the field goal into like a, a tad more than an extra point. But you've lost a touchdown. No, because you, you never had a touchdown. You were you were going to have a touchdown. Not if the ball, not if you fumble the ball. If you if you've already crossed the goal line, that's a touchdown, right? Um, that's great. So <laughs> yes, I don't think you lost. I don't think you pulled a touchdown away. That's what I'm saying. If it's a third down play. The touchdown's out of the equation for most coaches. The way they operate on fourth down anyway, and therefore it's potentially just a zero sum for the offense just to say, hey, go kick a longer field goal than what you would have had otherwise. But this, this this gets into what I'm saying is for why I don't mind the rules, because there's no good solution for it. Um, well, there's a good solution, is that McCole Hardman needs to hold the ball close <laughs> right. uh, to his That's body, cool. which is the bigger point of this. And it also speaks to – guys, I remember I was having you know, a radio conversation in A-10 last week, and McCole Hardman took about half of MBS's routes running deep. You know what I mean? Uh, which he pre- does not do. Well. In, in the previous game, and we saw him not track it very well against Miami. Uh, the Chiefs trusted McCall Hardman again, and and the conversation we had, they, you know, on the A10 radio was sort of like, who do you, who would you want in there more to run those routes? And I think the consensus there from from those guys was like, oh, still throw McCall out there because you've seen what you got from MBS. So um, it speaks even more to MBS coming through the game he does. Which now I think if you're the Chiefs, you do transition back to this is primarily MBS's spot. A lot of routes are going to be clear outs. I can't imagine that McCollum is going to have that big of an impact in this particular game just because it's the same thing. We've talked about the Chiefs all year. So much of what they need to do is focus on not screwing up. And right now, what kind of faith do you have in McCall Hardman and also his mindset going into this thing uh, to not have two plays that he's in there and fumble both times? Um, that's something you can't have, especially against a Baltimore team that obviously is not going to give you many opportunities to make plays. After that play, I think we were all thinking about various uh, implications of what that <laughs> not only what that could mean, but how we would need to treat it. I mean, and I think at least in my mind's eye, I was thinking that is the epitome of the season underscored by self-inflicted stuff, not just in this case, McColl fumbling, but you can't make that decision to give him. I don't, I don't really understand somebody who has not proven himself to be reliable getting another chance. Andy Reid has sort of famously gone back to guys that I think he trusts. Sometimes earlier in the season, he'll do that, you know, if they make a mistake. Kareem Hunt's the one that stands out, right, that fumble in his first play. But it's usually somebody who's done something to engender some level of trust. But Cole Hartman really has not earned that. And to put him in, give him the ball in the the moment of the game, really, I, that that – very problematic. I mean, even to the point where we've all discussed how much more attention to pay to it, even though it didn't prove the fatal flaw. You know, the the, the fumble was terrible. Um, and, and you're right, Vahe, that I, I think a touchdown there would have clinched the game for the Chiefs. That would give a, a 34-24 lead at the time uh, with the extra point. But the jet sweep hasn't worked all year anyway. 
I can't think of one jet sweep that went for more than, you know, that, that got at least 10 yards, right? Used to be a staple in the Chiefs' offense with Tyreek and, you know, McCall was a rookie. Uh, jet sweeps just don't, they don't work against the Chiefs. They don't work for the Chiefs. I don't, defenses have figured out the jet sweep. And to do it there with him, just a terrible decision. Part of that is because they haven't had McCall Harden. Like, he was the guy who did execute that play really well for him. Like, that, I mean, look, the, the list of pros and cons of acquiring McCall Hardman, I mean, I, I really questioned the move when they made it two months ago. I, I did not see exactly what he would add, um, except that he was great at stretching the field horizontally. I mean, really, we talked and about that him being he, the reason. It's the red zone, you know? Remember the 49ers game last year when he was so right. good at that? He was fourth in the NFL and yards after – or first in the NFL's fourth season and yards after catch per reception. So, like, he was really good in that specific area – what really questioned me about it was I did not think he gave great effort on the deep balls last week. Um, I did not think, to Bahi's point, that he necessarily earned his place into the lineup for the following week. And then he fumbles the first time he touches the ball. And so for three quarters, this guy has touched the ball once the entire game. And it's not a situation to where, look, the Chiefs' offense has struggled at times this year. They've needed to be tricky at times this year. They dominated the game. We just said that at that point they'd had four third downs. Actually, at that point, they'd, I think they'd only had three third downs the entire game. They were still and, over and nine s- yards of carry. At that, and nine six, yards of play and at that six point. drives. It's a first down play at the three-yard line. There was The necessity of tricking the defense just wasn't there in that moment. So that's why I questioned the play call as much as anything. It was just look at that specific game for what you've gotten out of this game. The only mistake you've really made is McCall Hardman's fumble, and that's the guy who, who's, whose hands you put the ball back into. Especially on a day where the offensive line was playing so well. Yes. Playing so well. Yes. that I thought when the Chiefs got there, you, the first play we would see would be the shovel pass. You know, I don't know who would rise to Rice or Kelsey or somebody. That's the safest play. It, you, it's either a touchdown or an incomplete pass, often. Anyway, look at look at the end of the game. The end of the game, like the the after the missed field goal, everyone acts like the missed field goal ended the game. The Bills still had a chance to get the ball back. There was like, a minute forty-three. Yeah, with two timeouts. With two, two timeouts. They get the ball back with a minute left. I think we all think they they've got a pretty good shot at getting in field goal range. The reason they don't is when the Bills know they're running, they cannot stop Isaiah Pacheco from getting ten yards. The Chiefs only needed two and a half in that moment on four chances. And instead they try and be tricky. And that's, it just proves that they, they didn't need to do anything other than just say, we're running the ball, try and stop us. I love Pacheco's effort in that game, especially on what you just talked about, Sam. On the first play, on the first down play, we picked up eight yards. The last three were just effort, just effort. You know, he'd already been, he was stopped and he got wiggled for three more yards out of that. Um, I wanna go back to MVS for just a moment. Two catches, two receptions, either 62, I think, yards or 61. I've seen both. Uh, one, he was wide open. The other one was a, his first one uh, was the first play of the second half. And um, and it was he was challenged, and he came down with the ball. To me, that was a very encouraging sign to see him um, you know, be challenged and come down with the ball. Uh, was this his... You know, was this his one playoff game the way he had one last year against the Bengals in the AFC title game? Or are we thinking he is now an option for the Chiefs? Well, he certainly seems to me that he makes it so you have to account for him. And we've had jokes earlier in the year about perhaps penalties not being called because they were 
um, he was considered you know, a guy who wasn't going to catch the ball anyway. I mean, and and but 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 that became a problem, right? You really wondered if that Eagles drop was um, going to be on the the season signature list if uh, they didn't get get moving here in the postseason. Um, it would have been covering the game at Arrowhead Stadium, man. Yeah, that's no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So it's still a problem, but but I do think this. Look, the, the catch was uh, you know thirty yards down the sideline. He was well covered and jostled. But what I like about it uh, more is something he was. You know, I was talking to him in the locker room about, which is that that play required uh, being on the same page with Mahomes without the ability to communicate directly because of the loudness of the crowd and because Mahomes was worried that at least Shane Buchel and maybe somebody else on the Buffalo sideline, uh, former Chiefs, had some feeling for the sorts of signals Patrick might use if he did yell it out loud enough. So it basically was um, eye contact and recognizing that it was man-to-man at the same time. In other words, those two being on the same page. Some of the times that we've seen uh, the long balls that either Marquez appears not to always track well or not be where Patrick expects him to be, it, it absolutely has seemed to be that they're they're just not on the same page with how the play unfolds. So to me, that in a way is almost the most promising part of it. Like, oh, they're a little bit of sync, and then of course that's that can stretch the field in a different way, and you'd have to respect it a little differently. Opens up things. The next gen stats provides it on this completion was the Chiefs' third deep, tight window completion of the season in 23 attempts, their first of those since week five. Had not completed a pass like that. Since we, how often have we talked about this team has amazing. no deep passes? This team yeah. has no big plays. They have to work so hard to maneuver it all the way down the field and then be perfect in the red zone to win games. What team was that on Sunday? That was the Bills. The Bills were throwing the ball to flat. The Bills were taking these short, yeah, short yeah. checkdowns. They were trying to be perfect, and when they weren't perfect, they lost to the Chiefs. The Chiefs all of a sudden in the last two weeks have unlocked 20-plus yard gains like they used to with Patrick Mahomes, and all of a sudden this whole thing looks a whole lot easier because just like Sam said, you were one for five from on third downs. You don't have to be perfect there because you're getting all these chunk plays you're never making third downs. So that's really where the Chiefs offense and the script has flipped here in the last couple weeks. Um, I remember looking at Cleve Analytics. He was, uh, it was a great kind of playoff resource online. They talk about the teams that are always Super Bowl contenders, and they talked about chunk gains. It's so much easier if you're able to get chunk gains, and the Chiefs were not in the top 10 in the NFL in that regard. All of a sudden, the playoffs, they become a top 10 team like that, and this team and this offense looks a whole lot different. One other thing about that other play to MVS, that was 32 yards, and what was interesting about that was um, – Great play Patrick, Patrick. Patrick was, that might have been his best pass of the day. I mean, he is yeah. flushed out of the pocket, run, goes up the pocket, and is running straight ahead. Now, that's a hard way to throw a ball. You're running straight ahead. You're, I mean, But easier and, than the way he's been bailing for much of the season. Yeah, that's true, run, too. Run backwards to his right. It's important yeah. stepping up in the pocket. We haven't yeah. seen him do enough you're, of that. You're right. Year. That's actually a whole sort of separate thought. But it, it comes with the fact that MBS got jostled off his route and was going to get into some uh, no man's land near where Kelsey was and, and just understood to go downfield farther and across. And what do you know, kind of an ad-libbed connection between them. We haven't seen a lot of those either. Good point. I liked his, uh, on, on the topic of favorite Mahomes chunk plays, his run, his 24-yard run, in which he uh, 
presented the ball to the defender before pulling it back and <laughs> zipping down the sideline. A little rub-a-dope, yeah. <laughs> one, one of every six plays they ran went for 20-plus yards, and we haven't seen that. It's the first time all year that they've had three completions of 20-plus air yards this year, and it was three for three. Um, I mean, the, the offense had its best day of the entire season. They were at 7.7 .7 yards per play. Um, Patrick Mahomes had his highest completion percentage over expected in the game. I just, I mean, the environment itself was, I mean, we all talked about it when we were sitting there after the game. The environment itself was designed to intimidate a quarterback who had not played a road playoff game. From the moment they got off the bus, I mean, throwing snowballs and middle fingers at the bus to... Um, and instead, the quarterback is eager to play in a game like this, and that's exactly what came out. So this Chiefs offense that looked so good on Sunday now takes on the NFL's top-rated defense in Baltimore. Historically good. Yep. Um, so much about this game is, is so interesting. The quarterback you know, match is fascinating. Just as last weekend's was, um, legacy on the line for for both the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, but also Lamar Jackson. And um, I saw an interesting note. I, I can't remember whose Twitter account it was, but Mahomes has faced uh, NFL's top-ranked defense, I think, six or seven times in his career, and the Chiefs are undefeated in those games. So... He's only lost one as an underdog, too. I mean, they're 8-1-1 one, and one now. With, um, and actually, I, I realized I wrote about him being an underdog last week that I didn't include his rookie year star, which the Chiefs were actually a betting underdog in that game in Denver as well, um, which he really should have got two wins for. <laughs> uh, but uh, So really, 9-1-1, one, 2-0 one, oh in the playoffs when he's with, against the spread, but he's 8-3 he's and three overall as an underdog. Yeah, yeah. So he's good on the money line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got to be about the most profitable bet in Vegas, I would think. If you can go eight and three with with, with somebody, um, you'll take it. Listen, the simple reality is this, and we've talked about this so much. This is what gives the Chiefs a leg up. The NFL football in general, good offense beats good defense. But that's, I mean, you can have a great defense. It's great to have a great defense. But like we saw Josh Allen make a play to throw to Khalil Shakir in the corner of the end zone where Lajarius is covering great it. Great play. Just great pass. It's good defense. But it's a great quarterback. And great quarterback can be good defense. We talked so much last year about the, the yeah. Eagles, top-ranked defense, going against the Chiefs. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl 38-35. to Great offense, and a low-possession game, by the way. Great offense beats great defense. So for the Chiefs in this game, that to me, it's, it's just the question again. We saw something from them last week we have not seen all year, just as Sam referenced. They were their 2019-2020 offensive selves. They were back to what we all expected from them this year. Can it happen another game? Can it happen another game without the mistakes? Can it happen again with the explosive plays? Can it happen again in the run game? Can you do all that against a really good defense? That's gonna be more on Mahomes and the Chiefs controlling that and they have that ceiling. It's just, it's a lot to ask. Two straight weeks for them to do that same sort of thing. And meanwhile, going the Chiefs defense is gonna go against a very another, another very tough test, another running quarterback, which has given them some problems in the past. One of the things that, like, is the matchup within the matchup that I, I think translates from last week to this week is, like, last week there was some weakness on weakness stuff when we talk about the Chiefs were are terrible throwing the ball deep this year. 
the Bills were one of the worst teams in the NFL defending the ball deep. So it was like, are the Chiefs going to try and still go deep? And they did. With this game, it's it's the opposite. I mean, the Ravens defend the pass, like I said, historically good. Like their DVOA is ranked as good as any team has been ranked in like 20 years with the way they defend the pass. And you break it down by left, middle, right, top 10 in all of them. Short, intermediate, deep, top 10 in all of them. When you break it down by number one wide receivers, how they defend number two wide receivers, how they defend the tight end, top 10 in all of them. Like they do not have an obvious weakness in their pass defense. And so to Jesse's point, it's going to have to be a situation where like great offense beats good defense. But if we're calling the Chiefs offense like great offense, it's based on what we just saw in Buffalo. <laughs> a one-week sample, yes. <laughs> and I think they were better against Miami. I think they were better against Cincinnati. Sometimes I think they got progressively better in those games. I honestly think we could end up looking – we've got games to play here. We could end up deciding that the turning point of this Chiefs season was the worst game that we've seen them play Christmas Day. on Christmas yeah. Day against the Raiders because they had to clean up their pre-snap stuff in order to get the, the better success post-snap. And I think that's what caused it, just how awful and embarrassing that was in front of a national audience on Christmas Day. That point of organization, uh, for lack of a better term, I think also came with some simplification and even streamlining of personnel, didn't it? I mean, is that- It definitely came with simplification. I mean, their, their verbiage in the huddle has changed. I mean, they've, they've tried to shorten just the play calls to get out of the huddle quicker. Um, they, they've shortened some of their substitution patterns, but I don't think it's been the degree to what people have made out of it because, look, that's just the thing that we see. We can't see the verbiage in the huddle, so it's harder for us to detect that, but the players talk about that. I mean, it's, I, I think they've just tried to make the play call itself as simple as possible, get to the line. Um, you know, we saw, Jesse mentioned it, the other thing about this hostile environment is it's, it just should disrupt your pre-snap stuff. Mm-hmm. And we saw no pre-snap issues with the Chiefs. And if they hadn't had that game against the Raiders that prompted them to say the next week, this is the entire focus of this week. Forget the game plan. We're working on our own stuff pre-snap. If they hadn't been forced to have that conversation, I think I think Saturday or Sunday would have been a lot bigger problem Ooh. for them in that area. Here's another thing to think about in this particular matchup. The Chiefs. We know they have really good coaches. We know they have a really good staff. They have game plan to take advantage of injuries to both the Dolphins and the Bills. Dolphins and Bills were beat up defensively and had some very evident areas of weakness. The Chiefs went heavy tight end. Heavier tight end than we've seen from them all year in these last two games. And again, they had the run success and they've had some passing success out of it. It's just not the case with Baltimore. You know what I mean? You are facing a full-strength team, so you get tested even more in that in that realm if you're the Chiefs coaching staff, but I think we do have to give them credit as well because they did some things and pulled some things out in these last two games we have not seen from them as much all year, but they were doing it very specifically to attack guys like A.J. Klein, who shouldn't be in there, or Justin Houston, who was pulled off the street. I mean, that's, that's what a good coaching staff does. It's just going to be a little bit tougher this game because the Ravens are not quite – are not even close to as beat up as, as those previous two teams were on defense. Related to all this, they've toned down the penalties, right? Two in the uh, against the Bills, and has the Hardman fumble was ghastly, uh, but it was the only giveaway that they had, uh, and they had one at the end of the Dolphins game that was in you know, a Clyde Edwards-Lair fumble that was meaningless. Um, so they've cleaned those up as well. We don't see drops. From not as many from from the wide receivers, so it seems like a lot of the issues that we discuss that we've discussed throughout the year 
uh, we've waited until 30 minutes into this podcast to to talk about. It's funny that you're making me think of this there, you know, while the game was in the balance, I can't remember when the sequence came, but uh, it was McDuffie almost had an interception. And then the next play, they there was a the Bills put the ball on the ground, and the, the Chiefs Sneed could have had almost, it. Sneed almost had the interception. Sneed, Connor, that's right. Sneed Connor almost had almost it. Had the, um, the recovery, fumble, fumble recovery. Yeah. And I think we're still sitting there thinking this defense is so close to. I mean, it's done so many things so well, but it's still not really generating turnovers. I mean, you never sense that that's just about to happen it's either. A bad takeaway team. Yeah, it just is. And look, Connor's effort was. Great throughout the game. Yeah, right? yeah. Defensive player of the game, according to Pro Football Focus. But he tried to scoop and score yeah, there yeah, instead of yeah. falling the ball when he should have fell. And that, that would have clinched the game yeah, as well. Yeah. To, to your point, Blair, about the penalties, though, none of they only had two penalties on Sunday. Uh, one is just the the obvious, Juwan Taylor's got to get his in. <laughs> but nothing pre-snap. Like, this is all related. Like, when you don't when you get to the, the line of scrimmage with 15 seconds left, You've got more time to operate. You're not going to have all the procedural stuff about where you're lining up. Um, you've got time, even if the ref, to, you look to the ref and, and he doesn't give you the go-ahead that you can you can adjust. Like, all that stuff is related. And that, that's why, you know, like I said, two penalties the entire game, only one on the offense. Talk, talk me through this because you guys, I think, have an eye for it. And I'm not quite sure that I understood what I was seeing. But there were, I thought, at least five times they lined up Mahomes' shotgun and either Pacheco or – Clyde is a lot, basically alongside him, a step or two um, behind him in the backfield, and they kept coming up and clearly checking signals with well, you Patrick. Well, you don't want to give away the play. Um, right, but so it, like, I thought at the time they were confused, but I remember you you suggesting it. You just don't want to, yeah, you just don't want to give away the play. I mean, if the running back does not come up um, in that situation, you're basically telegraphing what play is coming because of the running back's involvement of it doesn't need to know the pass protection on the play. Um, so most of the time when you see those types of checks, it's pass protection checks. But you also want the running back to come up regardless because if it is still a run to a certain spot, you don't want to you don't so want to do that away. So that's all you saw there. I mean, it, it, yeah. and you you but you didn't you didn't see what I thought I saw, which was that that like Pacheco didn't seem to. At the first time I saw it, I thought he doesn't quite know what he's supposed to be doing. Well, there's some gamesmanship to this too. I know that uh, I think it was Jeff Schwartz online was pointing this out. The Chiefs were doing some of that. The Mahomes pointing out, "Hey, you block this guy, Pacheco. You you take this guy in pass protection." And then they handed the ball off. <laughs> and right. so, and then it's like, "Oh, wait a minute." The, the AJ Klein's in there. Oh, okay, uh, it's pass all day, all day. And then the Chiefs get a ten yard run out of it. So even some of those things, you can maybe some game within the game, if you're able to pull those off, then yeah. uh, uh, that's kind of playing, you know, chess versus checkers, if you will. But uh, the Chiefs certainly seem to be in that sort of mode right now. And and again, I think Sam's been all over this ever since the. the case has been made to simplify things and get them to the line of scrimmage where they're not in panic mode once they get up there. Uh, that has been a major change in the season. One thing I like about this game on Sunday against the Ravens, teams haven't played since early in the 2021 season. So um, we don't have uh, the regular season rematch angle here. Uh, Lamar Jackson's, uh, he, he played twice against the Chiefs, I believe, that game that the Ravens won in 2021 late, and then Chiefs beat them in 2018. I want to say it might be three times. Is it three? Did not play the one with the crazy Tyree kill. That's what I was uh, thinking of, the crazy Tyree. Oh, and then the the Chiefs beat them in Baltimore during the COVID year. Yeah. Which Uh, still – 2020 season. That home game with Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes will still reference that as being the 
the favorite play that he's ever made. Yes, the he's, fourth and nine. Lamar, Jackson, Lamar Jackson's one and three against the Chiefs. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm missing um, one somewhere. But. And his uh, 78.9 career rating. He's taken 10 sacks, actually, in, in four games, four touchdowns, two interceptions. I, I think th- this is a bigger challenge for the Chiefs than going to Buffalo because I think the Ravens are simply the best team in the NFL. I think they've, I think they're the most accomplished team in the NFL well, I, I today. Think best. I mean, I, I think it's um, – I mean, going back to the DVOA thing, which is sort of a stat that it, it ranks teams based on like every single play of a game, and they're the fifth. They have the fifth best DVOA since 1981. Any team, like they are a really, really good team, and sort of in this new age way of just not having any weaknesses. Um, they run the ball well. They got receivers that Lamar can throw the ball to now, um, even though you know they might not have still that prototypical number one. Um, the backup tight end's good. Mark Andrews practiced last week. They might get mm-hmm. Mark Andrews mm-hmm. back this week. The defense is is good at all three stages. So, and their special teams is is a factor too. So, I th- I mean I think I was going to say it'd be the best team the Chiefs have played all season, but I think every team that's played them is the best team they've played all year. They've not lost a game by two possessions. The only team that can say that the Chiefs have lost one game by multiple possessions. The game in Denver, they're the only team that's even done it once. So every team. But the Chiefs and Ravens have lost at least two games by multiple possessions this year. The thing that I, I thought was uh, really interesting in watching that, that Houston game is I feel like we saw something different in Lamar's postseason presence. I mean, I think it was a legitimate question coming into the postseason, like, okay, but will he will he sort of morph into uh, the guy he really is or, or the guy we've seen in regular seasons in the postseason? Because he hasn't. He hasn't been that. And I think that may be the most daunting thing that uh, of all that development to see that he is is it's definitely what the Ravens playoff media mojo. It's definitely is. what Baltimore media is talking about this week is that conversation yeah. that Okay, guys, great conversation. Back to work. See you in Baltimore. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to producer Monty Davis and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition is your one-stop shopping for all news Chiefs, plus college sports, Royals, national stories, and so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Hey, if you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City. Kansas City.